say they have over 500,000 job openings. You know, right now, we one of the things that we've done to try to help streamline this process is we've asked for people to voluntarily uh, apply online based on their area code, and we have that schedule up on the website. Uh, but it's just a voluntary process. We're looking at that right now. But besides that, we have added around 450 people from the Texas Workforce Commission's uh, other departments into employment services. We hired around 100 or so uh, people to work in our call centers. We're, we are continuing to hire, uh, and we are looking at uh, working with other state agencies to move additional people into unemployment insurance services. And this week, we added two third-party call uh, call centers, and we're working on a third. So that was Francisco with the TWC with some information, additional information. So if you are looking and needing to put some food on your table, the Houston Food Bank is a good option to look into. If you're having some issues and problems making rent at this time, the United Way of Greater Houston is another resource to also take into account. Reporting live to the Justice Box 26 News. Tiffany, thank you. The mayor is reversing course and making the decision to close all Houston parks and trails through Easter Sunday. Park rangers and police officers will patrol and enforce the closures, he says. The Harris County judge announced Wednesday that all county parks are closed until Monday as well. Well, Houston's first makeshift hospital being built at NRG Park won't be ready by today after the severe weather forced work to stop early. Some have raised concerns about how much money is going into a temporary site that we might not even use. So far, $11 million has been spent, and that number will jump to $20 million if the hospital is put into use. Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo says there are about 250 ICU beds still available, but the county would rather be overprepared than under. A way where people are criticizing that we did too much and we averted a crisis, that is success to me. That is what success looks like. The minute we are at, you know, not enough or barely, we're losing. Now, county commissioners approved $60 million for the shelter earlier this week. The judge says 75% of that money can be reimbursed. Sheriff's deputy who is in critical condition after testing positive for COVID-19 is now looking to the public to help with the recovery. Fellow law enforcement officers say Sergeant Raymond Shulwinski has been approved for a plasma transfusion but needs a donor. The donor must have tested positive for COVID-19, recovered, and then tested negative. So anyone who meets that criteria can call a Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center location and schedule an appointment. The family of a Houston police officer in critical condition with coronavirus is asking for prayers from the community. 57-year-old Ramon Cervantes is a cold case detective with the Homicide Division. This is video of him from when we've interviewed him in the past. Police Chief Art Acevedo says he is now on a ventilator. His wife Liz and the family out in Austin. First of all, I want to say thank you for all the prayers because they believe he went from a really grave condition uh, to critical condition. Uh, and there's been some slight improvement. So we would they would ask that the community continue to pray for him and for the whole family because Liz is also positive. 
Chief Acevedo also telling us that 31 HPD employees have tested positive. Of those, five have been able to return to work. And it's nine minutes past the hour now. Coming up next, two men shot driving down the West Park Tollway. We're going to have a rundown of your overnight news in just 60 seconds. That's not what she was saying. That's not what she was saying, y'all. I understand what she was saying. She was stating even though you have these um, other ailments of sickness, when a person get COVID-19, they highlight COVID-19 more than what they really died from. Like if a person died from a heart attack, instead of saying die from a heart attack, they say contributed to the COVID-19. They automatically categorize it as COVID-19 with the possibilities of a heart attack or asthma or whatever um, um, you know, illness that occur. So you see how they twist that stuff around and, and try to clarify themselves. They know what she was asking. I know what she was asking. And if you have a spiritual ear and spiritual eyes and see what's going on nationwide with this, my daughter and I talked about this the other day. Last year, the flu went 
strewed this country like I don't know what. They had so many deaths from the flu, they didn't even mention that at all. You could go to the CDC and see the records compared to now in the flu. And people still catching the flu. I may even have a touch of the flu, but because I didn't have a fever, right? And didn't have the symptoms all at once, they automatically say I don't need to take the test. I just need to quarantine myself or, or just stay at home and, and, and wear it out after 14 days. Well, I've been feeling like this before this even started. So I know it's not COVID-19. I just need to see a doctor, which y'all seen through the last six months. I've been trying to, well, really a year. Dr. D been trying to see a doctor for the last year. If it wasn't for the insurance payments, premiums went up. You know, I went through that issue from the job, so I lost my insurance with that. A lot of other personal things came about that was like a fight for me to even go and see the doctor to get the medicine that I need, which I really don't want to take the medicine anyway. Medicine I, I think I really only need is my uh, hyperthyroid medicine. Okay. You know, and from there, that opened up a lot of challenges that's causing my voice tone to shift off and on. And then by me going to work and realizing that I'm breathing in gook, right? I'm just breathing in gook at Wally World for my seasonal job, okay, which I only work a couple of weeks or whatever, because that's only, that's all it is, a couple of weeks, right? So when people ask certain questions or make a statement, like he's going to say that she didn't prove it, Okay, they just say certain words, but still, you know, we, we they got a lot of recoveries because people are taking care of themselves still. And like I do confirm what he showed, where the doctors say a lot of individuals still haven't been tested. They got a lot of people in every state have not been tested because they don't have that one thing. They're looking for a high fever. If you don't have a high fever, you're not going to get that test. And, like, they have free testing here at the small financial, but you have to have the symptoms, and that's way on the north side. If you want a test, it's $150 to take that test. Who got $150 when you got bills you got to pay? You got rent. You got people still sticking stickers on your door saying that's your stuff is late. See, they don't look at all that. You know, I know they're trying to build up the positive and try to make people feel good, but people ain't feeling good through this crap. You know, this is a whole uh, back-end agenda. I'm right with her. It's a conspiracy. They're blowing this COVID-19 out of the waters. They have other things that they can um, utilize and help people with. Okay, they're picking and choosing what they want and who they want. Waffle House Online. If you need to make a grocery run or a drugstore stop, remember to sanitize your car after every trip. I'm Tiffany Craig. Sanitize the car?
Oh wow. Jesus. You gotta sterilize. You might as well have a cleanup kit in your car. Well, that's my response to that news alert. <laughs> Good morning, y'all. This is Dr. D. I'm about to get on up and verify these business loans. They say on the 10th, that's when they're going to start receiving and start um, with this bank issue. So I'm about to go and check it out. So I'll keep y'all posted, okay? Y'all have a blessed and awesome day today. Why you inside? Depression. 
The Texas Workforce Commission tracks their claims daily, comparing them against 2019. Claims in the last 25 days topped all of last year. Put another way, unemployment claims have surged nearly 2,000% since the start of the COVID-19 crisis here in Texas. With that surge, many state systems are struggling to keep up with healthy people. The Texas Workforce Commission says it's trying to get up to speed. They say they've hired more staff, updated their telephone and website infrastructure, and are working to open three additional call centers. And if you're looking for work, workintexas.com currently has more than 540,000 job openings listed on its site. And they've also got services to help you create a resume and find education and training. Back to you. Good resource, Janelle. Thank you. And while millions are facing the economic crisis, the health crisis is taking a toll on our first responders. Here locally, two law enforcement officers are in the hospital battling the virus. Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo called for prayers yesterday. Detective Ray Cervantes is 57 years old, and he's been with the department for more than 25 years. He's in the ICU on a ventilator, and his wife also has the virus. And a brother in blue, Harris County Deputy Raymond Shulwinski, is also in the hospital this morning. He's 70 years old and has been a deputy since 1994. Right now, the Harris County Sheriff's Office has 38 positive cases, and 31 Houston police officers have tested positive for COVID-19. Skepticism about reopening the nation and Wall Street reports a good week. Your rush block rolls on with a warning about who is hitting COVID-19 is hitting the hardest. New numbers indicate COVID-19 is hitting some races worse than others. Local numbers haven't shown it yet. Experts at the Kinder Institute think if we have more deaths, we'll see those disparities. But they say it boils down to socioeconomic class, not race. President Trump says he wants to loosen restrictions and get more of America working again. But many health experts want nationwide testing first, and some want to hold off entirely until a vaccine is available. We've got to continue, in many respects, to redouble our efforts at the mitigation of physical separation in order to keep those numbers down and hopefully even get them lower. When will life go back to normal? Dr. Peter Hotez with Baylor and Texas Children says it is time for the nation to prepare for a longer disruption of life. He believes this pandemic could come and go in waves for about three years' time and says although they are working around the clock on the vaccine, the record time for a vaccine in the past took four years, and that was months. Meantime, the anti-malaria drug that President Trump's called a possible game-changer is now in clinical trials. The first patients are enrolled to test the drug's safety and efficacy in treating COVID-19. We're coming off Wall Street's best week in 45 years. Markets are closed today for Good Friday, locking in the week's gains. The rally came after the Federal Reserve launched a $2.3 trillion program to support the economy. And that's your rush block on this Friday morning. Now, that's where the conspiracy come in at, y'all, because how the stock market automatically... How the stock market automatically increase if you got up to 17% people on unemployment, jobs are closed, businesses are closed, businesses are uh, fighting for the loan that's stated that been dispersed that have not received the loans. Tell me how the stock market still making money. That's 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 kind of like 
asinine to me. I'm just trying to understand. I'm sure other people are trying to understand. How is the stock market still making money? How is the stock money run by investors that's putting money to businesses, that businesses are open and doing business with workers inside the business, but we got 17% of people on unemployment? I'm, I'm kind of questioning that. That's like scratching my head. Like, and you're going to say this is not a conspiracy? You're going to say that this is not something planned and something bigger is working on behind the scene? Come on, y'all. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Because this is a no-no. This is a no-no. And um, all the money is being channeled somewhere. It's still not... I haven't got nothing to my um, bank account. Did y'all get some money to y'all bank account yet? Let me know. This Dr. D, tune in. Send me a message. I'll plug it in. Did anybody get their, their stimulus check yet? Did anybody get their business check yet? Let, it's time for the people to voice their opinion. So I can send this to the news and sh- and let them know y'all trying to be smiley-wally and try to end this together, stay at home, let's do this together, okay? But everybody is not able to um, stay at home and still receive a check. I'm not receiving no check. Matter of fact, I got a call just to see, do I think I had COVID so they can go and sterilize the kiosk? Okay, what about sending somebody from the company to see, well, I think... Danielle don't even have a car. Let's go make sure she got food and she okay. No, they weren't about a kiosk. I'm concerned. Transtar crunched the traffic numbers on the Katy Freeway at Vaughn's, a good measuring stick, the agency says, for overall volume in the metro area. We've seen some pretty extreme drops um, in vehicle traffic as folks continue to respond uh, to the spread of COVID-19. Since the stay-home order took effect March 25th, the Katy Freeway location has seen a 49% average drop in weekday traffic compared to last year. On the weekends, it's a 60% average reduction. People are indeed staying home on weekends for sure, and it appears uh, working from home during the week as well. But KHU 11 Investigates took a closer look at the work week. Stay home. Since Judge Lena Hidalgo made her declaration. The first four weekdays after the order all saw traffic reductions of 50% or more compared to last year. But for the next chunk of workdays, the reduction percentages were in the mid-40s, meaning more drivers hit the road as time rolled on. As a uh, traffic doctor, I think 
uh, I wouldn't have expected people would be taking this more seriously. He's Tim Lomax with the Texas Transportation Institute at Texas A&M. Put these numbers in perspective. I think what you're seeing is some people are more comfortable being out now than maybe they should be. Some people just can't go grocery shopping for two weeks at a time. Efforts are underway to collect data from all of Houston's major freeways. When it comes in, we'll check it out to spot any new trends in drivers staying home. Back to you. Jeremy, thank you. Well, from fast food to a family-sized feast, we've got your weekend meal plans covered. Tiffany Craig breaks down the offers in today's Morning Money Minute. You're getting some extra time to make Amazon returns. They're expanding the return window because of the pandemic. So if you bought something between March 1st all the way through the end of this month of April, you now have until the end of May to send it back. Need help with your Easter dinner plans? There are lots of restaurants offering meal deals, including Olive Garden. The chain put together a family-style meal, including lasagna, chicken parm, and of course, their breadsticks. You can get it curbside or delivered, and if you spend 40 bucks, delivery is free. And what a deal. Right now, Whataburger is offering buy one, get one burger free. Here's what you need to know. First, get a Whataburger account. Then you order online or through the app. This deal runs through April 19th. And if your days are jumbled up like mine, April 19th is a week from this Sunday. I'm Tiffany Craig with your Money Minute. That is a sandwich day it is. I know, I thought yesterday was Tuesday. Oh my goodness. All right, well today, Good Friday, Cheetah, we do have a window to get outdoors. It is, it is Good Friday. Easter Sunday is this Sunday, so uh, you do. You have to keep track of oh, some kind of milestones. Okay, let's talk about the clouds. And you know what, you're right. You get, today is your day to get outside. We're tracking cooler temperatures. Only a 20% chance for a shower today. The rain will kick in by tomorrow afternoon. Temperatures starting off in the mid to upper 60s. There's that northeast wind, so it's even feeling cooler compared to yesterday as well. Yesterday, it got hot. Before the storms erupted, uh, we, were, we crept into the low 90s yesterday afternoon. Today, we'll be tracking mid-70s, so nice changes here for your Good Friday. The thing is, more clouds than sun. Now, you may see a little bit of sun peeking through the clouds like we are this morning, but I'm not expecting much. So today, cloudy and cooler. Rain returns by tomorrow afternoon and evening, and then next week, if you have not seen the forecast, Monday through Friday of next week is just glorious. It is going to be gorgeous all around the area. Let's talk our future track here through 6 o'clock. Again, we stay mostly dry, clouds in place, temperatures topping out in the mid-70s. So getting into your Saturday tomorrow morning, we should still be mostly dry for your Saturday morning. So if you want to get that walk in, you want to get that run in outside, that early bike ride, do it. Because once we head into the afternoon hours, showers and maybe an isolated thunderstorm will move back into the area. Some of that rain will linger through Easter morning. I'm going to break down this timeline here for Easter Sunday, 7 a.m. We're still tracking rain across the area. In fact, there could be isolated pockets of moderate rain. So a half to an inch and a half of rain Saturday afternoon and evening through Sunday morning, not out of the question. As we get into Easter Sunday afternoon, rain moves east, and that is going to clear us up by Sunday afternoon and evening, and especially all of next week. So again, Easter forecast, you're waking up to rain. Temperatures should be in the 70s to low 80s, and then afternoon, a whole lot of that sunshine, especially once we head into the evening hours, we'll continue with the clear skies. Monday through, I know it's a seven day, so Thursday, but even through Friday of next week, lots of sunshine, low humidity, gorgeous, gorgeous all of next week. The thing is the rain returns by tomorrow afternoon, but even today, not that bad.
seven you can plow your scout let's send it back to you all right, uh, I only have about 45 seconds, so I'm gonna rush through these birthdays and anniversaries basically as quickly as I can. Listen for a shout out, listen for your name. So happy anniversary to Richard and Tiffany and Romy and Olivia. Lots of kids' birthdays. Disturbing images show mass graves for victims, but there's new hope that mitigation is staggering unemployment numbers and long lines at food banks, Congress negotiates another bailout. Why some small businesses still aren't benefiting from the last one. Life and death. Hospital workers tell us about working in constant danger, even though some say they've been told to keep quiet. And spirit of giving. Tyler Perry explains why he's been so generous during this crisis and why he hopes others will do the same. But first, here's today's eye-opener, Your World in 90 Seconds. Given the fact that the sun is out, it, it would be really human for us to take our foot off the pedal here. But that is just too dangerous. There are signs that the curve may be flattening. That's because fewer people are being admitted to the hospital now, but more people are still dying each day. That means that what we are doing is working, and therefore we need to continue to do it. New York's governor reporting a record high number of new COVID-19 deaths amid the surge in fatalities. More bodies are being buried on New York's hard islands. We lose 2,753 lives on 9-11. We've lost over 7,000 lives to this crisis. I think the economy is going to do very well. Now, that's just my feeling. It's a strong feeling. Another 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment. The Federal Reserve announced $2.3 trillion of programs. They're willing to spend big to keep this economy afloat, and I say cheers. Hundreds of buildings across the country lighting up in blue. To say thank you to those working the front line of the pandemic. All of that? The sandbar in Tybee Island is famous for having dollar bills stapled to its walls. The owner has taken down the bills to give the cash to her employees. We literally had money on the walls time on our hands. All that matters. Now, if you're observing Passover, you're holding what's called a Seder. It's a big family meal. And a lot of people are opting to hold their Seders on Zoom. So, of course, tonight started with the traditional prayer of, Nana, you're muted. On CBS This Morning. I know people who are having virtual Seder and Easter dinners, which is the best we can do, I guess, but also very weird. It's odd to end a holiday family dinner by pressing leave meeting easter doesn't feel at all exciting this year probably because i've spent the last three weeks driving around looking for eggs already this morning's eye opener is presented by toyota welcome to cbs this morning on this good friday as you can see we're broadcasting from our homes bringing you the news that will be much different this easter weekend for all of us i think jimmy kimmel said it right Right, he said it right, Anthony, when he said, this is all very weird. I have to say, thank God it's Friday. It took on a whole different meaning for me today. How about you? Yeah, but my wife, my wife did say to me last night, Gail, she said, can we get the family together on Zoom on Sunday? And I was like, that's just so weird. But it's, I mean, we saw so many people did it for, uh, for Passover with the Seder. So, you know, I'm going to consult some of my Jewish friends and say, how do you make this work? Yeah. Tony, you know, it's very reassuring to see people's faces. It is. We're not together, but it's reassuring to it, see It does help. I think that, 
think that matters. I think that matters. We begin today, it really does, we begin today with an alarming new milestone right here in America. New York State now has more reported coronavirus cases than any country in the world. Let that sink in for just a second. And new pictures are a disturbing reminder of the human toll of that. This is a mass grave being dug for coronavirus victims at New York City's Potter's Field, where unclaimed bodies are laid to rest. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a reminder there that the poorest and most marginal are bearing the greatest burden in this crisis. And it's a widening crisis. More than 466,000 COVID cases reported nationwide. And the death toll is now well above 16,000. But there are signs of improvement. Hospital admissions from the virus are declining in New York and California, two of the hardest hit states. Our lead national correspondent, David Begnaud, is here in New York at the U.S. Naval Hospital ship, The Comfort. David, good morning. So we've been hearing about deadliest days in New York for several days in a row, but we may be, hearing, we may, we may be hitting a turning point, turning a corner. How so? Well, maybe so, Tony, and let me tell you why. In speaking with one of the commanders here on the ship yesterday, I said to him, how come you've only treated 100 patients or so when you have capacity for so much more? And he said, sir, we're just not getting that many patients coming to us. The need doesn't exist. So we called the governor's office, and the governor's office told us this. There are 90,000 hospital beds statewide because they've had to add so many in recent weeks, but only 18,000 of them are actually filled. So yeah, this is really good news, but every time we get good news like that, it seems to always be said right alongside something that is stunning, like this. So many people are dying in New York City due to coronavirus complications that the morgues are crowded to the point where new graves are being dug off Hart Island near the Bronx. Crews are burying unclaimed bodies that have been at the morgue for more than two weeks. Still, the state's new hospitalizations are the lowest they have been since the coronavirus crisis started. And ICU admissions are at their lowest level in more than three weeks. All of this data suggests that we are climbing the curve so far. And that's why one place that was supposed to be a field hospital is scaling back. Beds had been set up two days ago at this Manhattan cathedral. They've now been packed away. Meanwhile, logistical issues appear to be part of the reason why the 500-bed hospital ship Comfort has treated only 80 patients so far. What do you say to people in Manhattan who are looking at this saying, you got this big, beautiful ship with a lot of room and it's practically empty? The optics may not be great. We've been working with, uh, again, uh, the city of New York, FEMA. Any disaster emergency response takes a little bit from a coordination perspective. There are moments of joy happening around the country. In Missouri, 87-year-old Don Lockmiller has survived the coronavirus. He spent 10 days in the hospital and is now home. But the virus continues to spread in places in the Midwest. In Michigan, the number of deaths in a single day was expected to peak on Thursday. Detroit nurse Jennifer Rauco says she saw three bodies taken to the morgue in one shift. That's a bad day, but unfortunately, there are days that that has become a normal in Flint, Michigan, Sandy Brown lost her husband, Freddie Brown Jr., and her 20-year-old son, Freddie III. They both died from the coronavirus in a span of just three days. They are two of four parishioners from Pastor Kim Nolan's church that died this month. I get speechless, you know, I get a little emotional uh, because of the effects that is happening uh, in, in America. But then, then come again, here it is in the black community.
Freddie the Third had hoped to walk onto the Michigan State football team. His dad helped to organize church services. Here's an example of our new normal in America. Sandy will bury her husband and her son today. Groundsmen at the cemetery will carry their caskets to the grave while Sandy is asked to sit in her car and watch. Anthony. Thank you. And as you alluded to, there's new evidence that the virus has had a troubling racial impact. An Associated Press analysis of nearly 3,300 coronavirus patients who died found 42% of them were African American. Blacks only make up about 21% of the total population in that study. The White House says Philadelphia could be a new hotspot. Errol Barnett asked city leaders what they're doing to flatten the curve in minority neighborhoods. Are we putting certs into people's water bills with the social distancing measures? And then even our census takers, are they doing uh, outreach? Philadelphia's health commissioner sounded the alarm bells Thursday as the city's infections surpassed 5,000, sharing new data confirming African Americans are most at risk. This problem is affecting people who have disadvantages even more. There were real socioeconomic barriers when it comes to messaging in places like this in North Philadelphia. Roughly half the people here don't have access to the internet, and a majority of people in this part of town live below the poverty line. And that's why some are resorting to creative ways of getting the word out. A lot of them are vulnerable. Rashida Rashid runs the Nice Town Community Development Center, a nonprofit serving 70,000 low to middle income residents in Philadelphia. We're calling them on the telephone directly. The new ways we're trying to reach out to people are kind of, you know, we use them anyway, but social media on all platforms, including the ways that younger people use it on, on IG. Councilman Daryl Clark says there are many reasons people of color are bearing the brunt of COVID-19. You look at all of the structural issues around um, all of these healthcare inequalities, all of these lower income jobs, uh, it tends to impact individuals uh, in neighborhoods of color uh, a lot more than it does in other neighborhoods. Ann Clark says people of color tend to be on the front lines with jobs leaving them exposed. We have individuals that are working in these jobs in retail and supermarkets and stores around that are still allowed to be uh, open. Those people have to deal with the public on a consistent basis, right? They are more likely to come in contact with somebody that may be affected than other people. And we're also told gen generalized mistrust in the government from generations of feeling marginalized may be playing a role of why it's more difficult to get these messages to minority groups, which is why you see folks, excuse me, like uh, Majida Rashid using phone banks to speak to the elderly. She says they're telling her they just want to hear a trusted, local, friendly voice. And Tony, they are afraid right now. Yeah, you can certainly understand that, Errol. Thank you very much. Let's get some clarity on a, very, a variety of issues from our Dr. David Agus, who's going to join us from his home in Los Angeles. Uh, Dr. Agus, good morning. Uh, I want to begin with something that came out of the White House coronavirus briefing yesterday. The president himself said he did not think we need widespread testing. That seems to contradict the advice of, of many of his medical experts. Uh, from your perspective, from where you're sitting, what do we need to have in place from a testing perspective, before we lift these sort of social distancing... Every, every, every essential person need to we're get tested first. One is we're going to need the ability to do millions of tests. Yes. And that was right in neighborhoods, homes, everywhere. There's still going to be cases. 
We also need to do what we call immune surveillance. That is a blood test to see whether you actually had the virus or not. So not whether you have it, that's the DNA test or the RNA test, but actually whether you have it. And then the third is we need to do social tracing. That is, we need the ability, if you do test positive, to go back and say, who did you interact with over the past few days? Because those people need to be kept at home. And so when you have three of them in place and low numbers of cases, we're gonna be able to let people out in a graded way and we're gonna get back to a new normal, but we need those in place. How much progress have we made to having those in place? I mean, are they in place today? <laughs> Well, we, we, we're, we're getting up a capacity of tests. We're not there yet with testing who has the virus. We certainly have a ways to go. You know, there was data that the Abbott machines are out there, but not everybody is using them yet. So the infrastructure needs to grow to do the test. The test for who had the virus in the past tense, that blood test, we're nowhere with it. We really have not scaled that across the country yet. And there are a couple of small tests that are being done, but very little. The idea of social tracing, we're gonna to have to talk about privacy issues going forward. Do you need to know who I interact with over the last two days? I think you do to actually do true social distancing or quarantine of those individuals and to do it right. So those conversations have to start happening now and the technologies have to be scaled. Well, on the subject of immunity, what, what are we learning about whether once you've had this, if you recover, can you get it a second time? It's a great question, and there was data that came out of South Korea um, that showed that individuals who had it tested negative twice, then tested positive again. So was it wrong test? Was it a false negative on the test? Did the virus reactivate? Their answer is we just don't know. There's a separate study out of China, which I think was really illuminating, in that they looked at the level of immunity in the blood of people, and about 30% didn't have enough immunity after they recovered from the virus. And most of those were the younger ones who had the milder symptoms. So what does that mean in the scale of things? We just don't know yet. And those studies, while they're in South Korea and China, we need them to be done here in the United States. It's time now we started to do our own studies and had our own data so we can make the right decisions based on that data. All right, Dr. David Agus, progress clearly has been made, but there is still more ground to cover. Appreciate your perspective this morning. Now, Gail, I'm going to send it back to you. Boy, Tony, so much is unknown, and the unknown is so scary. Thank you both. The economic impact of the coronavirus is getting worse every single day, affecting households all over this country. The newest numbers reveal that 6.8 million Americans have filed for unemployment benefits since mid-March, and that nearly wipes out the more than 18 million jobs created in the past 11 years. That is the largest and fastest string of U.S. job losses in generations. You can see the damage almost everywhere you look, a seemingly endless mass of cars lined up at the San Antonio Food Bank just yesterday. It served around 10,000 families, and staff say they are struggling, struggling to keep up with the rising demand. We've also heard from Florida residents who waited to pick up unemployment papers this week from a pop-up drive-thru in Hialeah. It's tough. It is tough. As of now, I'm living day by day. I have savings, you know, but there's so much money you can use. The United Nations says lockdown measures around the world affect nearly 2.7 billion workers with a B. Anthony. Yeah, stunning numbers, Gail. The latest CBS News poll shows Americans expect long-lasting economic pain. 
Nearly two-thirds of people we spoke to believe some businesses will bounce back fast, but others will not. We also found more Americans disapprove of President Trump's handling of the crisis as it wears on. Ben Tracy is at the White House. Ben, the president is still pushing for businesses to reopen as soon as possible? Good morning, he is, and the president says he would prefer to open up the country all at once with what he calls a big bang. CBS News has now learned that the president is considering forming an economic task force. This would focus on how you get the economy back up and running once the worst of this pandemic is over. But for right now, both parties agree that more financial relief is needed. They just can't agree on how much. The Republican-controlled Senate tried to pass an additional $250 billion in small business loans on Thursday, but Democrats want double that amount. They want to include money for food stamp programs, hospitals, and state and local governments. Now, as for the widespread nationwide coronavirus testing that you were talking about with Dr. Agus, President Trump was asked if that's needed before the country reopens. Here's what he said. We want to have it, and we're going to see if we have it. Do you need it? No. Is it a nice thing to do? Yes. Uh, we're talking about 325 million people, uh, and that's not going to happen, as you can imagine. Now, the government's own experts, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, have said that widespread testing and monitoring is essential before the country reopens. Now, the federal government had planned to end funding for some of those drive-through test sites that have been popping up in states around the country. In a reversal, Vice President Mike Pence now says the federal funding will continue for those sites, and it will be up to the states if they want to take them over themselves. Tony. All right, Ben, thank you very much. We want to get people an update on a coronavirus case we've been following very closely. That's the case of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He is out of intensive care, but he continues to have coronavirus treatments. A spokesman says Johnson is still hospitalized and under close observation, but is in, quote, extremely good spirits. The acting prime minister is signaling that the nationwide lockdown in place for the prior three weeks will be extended. Officials fear the country has yet to see the peak of the virus's impact in that country. Ahead, the financial fallout from the pandemic, why small business owners say the government loans they've been promised are not coming fast enough. But first, it is 7:18. Time to check your local weather. For real. Good morning, I'm meteorologist Sheeta Kraft. Let's talk about the clouds in place today, but really not a whole lot of rain falling. In fact, temperatures are about five to ten degrees. Yeah, where is the show us the money? <laughs> That's what we want to hear. Where is the money for the businesses? is staring down a cold reality facing small business owners across the country. And now, revenue sinking. How long can he keep afloat? A few more weeks, realistically. We're still in essential, but our funds are running low. The downturn couldn't have come at a worse time. Hope Sats was in the midst of the biggest expansion in the company's history. 
This is caught in the middle. A sister market around the corner that would have created 70 new jobs. It's difficult to think that, you know, that this might not happen, but I'm, I'm hopeful that, that it will. Last Friday, the federal government tried to twist open the spigot on the Paycheck Protection Program. Money to help small businesses cover payroll for eight weeks. If the businesses retain their employees, the loan is forgiven. The cash comes from the federal treasury, but Americans have to apply through their banks. They heard that the funds will be released in uh, the last half of April. Realistically, that's uh, two to three weeks away, so we'll see. The system is not uh, prepared and capable of processing all these millions of loans. That's the worry. Not only did Alan Duell's accounting firm guide Butterfield to more than a dozen of his other clients as they applied for stimulus loans, he applied for one himself. Not a single one has seen a penny yet. The SBA has never gone through anything like this before, and I have a sense that they're overwhelmed. It's not just the government, it's the banks too. We obtained this message from Wells Fargo explaining delays due to high demand and warning there will be limited funds that could run out. Chase Bank told Duell his loan is coming in a couple of days, but he's not counting on that. I'm trying to be realistic about it, and I'm telling my clients the same thing. Never in American history has so much of the economy simply vanished so quickly. A 10-block walk in New York offered a glimpse of the evidence. Storefront after storefront, small businesses plastered with makeshift one-page distress notes, all communicating the same message. We're closed. The plan is being changed every day, and it seems like the individuals that are making the changes don't seem to know themselves what direction to go. Purcell Keeling has owned Simply Wholesome, a restaurant and market in Los Angeles since 1984. Monday morning, I go into my branch to talk to my, my banker. He didn't know what was going on. He was in shock. Your own banker didn't know how to access the money from the SBA? He wasn't even informed, so he couldn't even inform us to apply because he didn't know. Is it frustrating for you when you're hearing, no, 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 the SBA is going to get involved and they are going to provide a safety net? But when? That's the question. That's the million dollar question. On Tuesday, President Trump abruptly ousted the watchdog charged with spotting corruption in the more than $2 trillion that's just starting to flood the economy. It's going to be a literal playground for fraud. Neil Borofsky served as the Special Inspector General during the 2008 financial crisis. If this money and this firepower gets wasted, you're missing an opportunity to get it right that we just cannot afford right now to get it wrong. Now, the SBA didn't respond to any of our questions, including one as basic as how much money has actually arrived in the hands of a small business owner so far, and here might be a reason why. Last year, all of last year, the SBA received about 60,000 loan applications. Just last week, they received nearly 500,000. Anthony? Well, what a staggering number, and so many businesses feeling really desperate right now, thanks. Ahead, how doctors risking their own lives to treat coronavirus patients are becoming infected themselves. You can also subscribe to the CBS Morning, CBS This Morning News on the Go podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Here's the day's top stories in less than 20 minutes. We'll be right back. More than ever, your home is your sanctuary. Yeah.
This is Dr. David the Boom Factor, and see, that's what I'm talking about. All this different money being transferred to who they want the money to go to. And that's what I'm saying. I'm concerned. How is the stock market is still rising and making money when the businesses are losing and their employees, the independent contractors, like myself and so many others, we are told to stay at home, social distancing, but we are not allowing uh, hands-on with clients, uh, events that we had that can produce money for ourselves to not only maintain our small business as an entrepreneur, but even be able to take those resources that we we uh, achieved or acquired and 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 disperse disperse that I mean distribute that um, to our personal well-being to take care of ourselves. So it's really a bureaucracy that's going on, and like I email. Um, the office building has a relationship with a bank that I don't even know about, but they did send me um, the information and stated um, they're here to help me, but then they have this whole list of requirements. Well, according to the CARES Act, we we shouldn't have, well, it's not required. Let me put it like that. And they're telling me it's 5% interest on the loan and I'm going back and showing them that it's 1% of the loan if I don't use it for what I'm acquiring it for. I'm acquiring it to maintain my rent and to pay myself, which I am the in, in independent contractor. So it's, it's stipulations, it's regulations that they're trying to put in so you won't even get the money, but even if you denied the loan, they stated that you automatically get the ten thousand in grant, right? So I just want to encourage you guys if you are uh, self-employed and independent contracting, you're working freelancing on yourself. I just say go ahead and apply because we can appeal that, and with that appeal, we'll get that money. If he stated he's not gonna, uh, he's not gonna reject, um, you know, small businesses, entrepreneur. That money is for us, okay? So you can, you can go ahead and not just apply, just apply so you can have that confirmation number and when you do your appeals you can have something to rebuttal because when they first opened up on the third I did like 10 applications for individuals including myself and then they sent the email back stating that um, independent contractors um, applications won't be accepted to the 10th which is today then I saw another email stating that even though you applied back then, you got to resubmit your application again through your bank. 
So it's a lot of back and forth, and like they stated on the on the worldwide news, the bakers don't even know what to do. You know, so uh, we're gonna see what happens, and I'm gonna follow the story, and I will maintain as much as I can. CBS's morning lead national correspondent David Begnaud has been speaking to healthcare workers on the front lines for weeks now, and more and more say they too are falling victim to this deadly virus. He had an incredible soul. That's how the head of New York City St. Barnabas Hospital remembers veteran trauma surgeon Renal Verrier, wow. who died Wednesday due to complications from coronavirus. I am utterly devastated. Jose Diaz worked with Dr. Verrier who had three children. He was one in a million, basically. There, there's not going to be another one like him. The medical community is concerned about constant exposure for them, including residents who are doctors in training. Our resident physicians, along with all of our healthcare workers, are heroes. Dr. Linda Alvarez is a union executive who represents residents nationwide. Healthcare providers have the highest rates of infectivity. Residents, when they do try to speak out against these issues to the administration, are being told that they should be thankful to have a job. Oh, I know they're very cocky. You know, it's like they're very cocky, and it was and, and even with the the jobless, like they're stating that oh, the unemployment is up seventeen percent, yada yada. But we have a whole job listing on our website where you can apply for new jobs. Okay, have y'all really look at these new jobs? You got executives, you have um, program directors, you have individuals that have worked in some major companies that have lost their jobs, and you want them to be a, a grocery shopper, a warehouse packer from making like, what, $20 an hour to what, $7? I mean, like for me, it didn't even, it, it, it was really cost asinine for me to even try to get to work when I'm only making $11 as a tax preparer at this company a day, working only five and a half hours a day. So that's $55 a day. It costs me $44 one way. Because of the parking ride bus have literally stopped running. The limited on a metro bus has been limited with the schedule change on not only a weekend schedule, but I had found out the time when I was trying to get home um, that it was on a Sunday schedule. A Sunday schedule, that means the buses pass every hour. So you got people barely getting to work, all right, go to work, and they got to wait to get home. And I know individuals say, well, that's personal. You should have your transportation. Well, I did have a transportation schedule. But with this new time change and limited on the transportation, it's a challenge to even get there. So why would I spent almost $85, $90 a day to make $55. That means I'm in the red, $45 every day. I go and attempt to even go to work. 
that that that's that's rocket science right there. That's a big no-no. That's a big that's that's ludicrous. That's somebody that really don't know their financial status and 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 and, and just doing the most. And I don't believe in just spinning my wheels and doing the most if it's not gonna profit me. It's no profit in that. So my my paycheck, what what my paycheck was gonna be? So it might as well wait a minute. You might, and then when I get there, I'm sick. I'm coughing. I'm sneezing. I'm inhaling. This soot that I brought to my uh, area manager took a picture of it and everything. Took a picture of the traffic that's back and forth at Wally World. Two days in a row, that kiosk was wrapped with people coughing and sneezing. Because the bank line was so long, there was not six feet distancing. The money center was wrapped around because they didn't push the kiosk the way I had it every year because I was not on the schedule and was not even allowed to go to the site to set up my kiosk that I've been doing for the last eight years. That would have prohibited at least half those folks that wrapped around that kiosk. So, yeah, you ask me, do I think, if I think I got it, did I get it from Walmart? Yeah, yeah. If 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 I would, would have, if I would have been tested positive, yes, it came from the, the, the traffic in Walmart. No doubt about it. Who I came in contact with? I didn't come in contact with nobody. But it's the idea of the people standing around the k- kiosk coughing and sneezing, asking questions. And believe me, I took my precautions. But thank God I'm not COVID-19 symptom, symptomatic. Maybe, maybe not. But that means I've been with this for three, the last three years then. Because every time I, I go to work, about the end of February and March, that's when it hit me and I start feeling ill. Why? Because I'm inhaling dust and debris from where I was stationed. I did my own observation. So a lot of individuals, especially with business owners, franchise owners, employees in the community, this affects people in all different ways. You can't just rule out like they're trying to take care of the traffic. Well, you can't even go about the traffic in a state that a lot of people staying at home. You got to think about people that use the public transportation. I could tell you that, and I took pictures that a lot of people stayed home because not only that, their business, their jobs was um, taken away because the bus routes, when I was on the bus, the bus was empty. I took pictures. Only people that was on that bus were mostly homeless people and maybe three individuals that I knew that was regular riders was on that bus. And even with that, I didn't I wasn't familiar with some of the faces because the routes had changed. So to really get the proper data that they want to make their analysis more informative. You have to go from community to community. You have to go really from door to door. 
I guarantee you the numbers will shoot up the roof if they go and test everyone in every neighborhood. You take that test, and I'm sure the virus will come positive. And people just taking, you know, especially in the in the in in the minority community. Well, I could say we're not minority anymore, but the black community, the Latino community. I guarantee you that number will shoot up. So all this worldwide spread numbers and data and being hopeful. Yeah, we're going to be hopeful. You better trust in God in this situation. My daughter asked me yesterday, Mom, well, what you think? How you what? How you feel in your spirit? How long this going to go? I say, to be honest with you, there's something I really don't know. Why? Because this is this is different. It's widespread. They're saying that AMC hitting for bankruptcy. Are expected to reopen in August. Wall Street analysts say the company is burning through $155 million of cash a month. AMC is saddled with an estimated $4.1 wow. dollars in debt. AMC has not returned our request for comment. We're talking about 11,000 screens in 1,000 theaters around the world, Tony. Oh, wow, look at that, the clothes. I'm tempted to make a joke about the price of popcorn and a soda, but I think uh, it's really terrible news to see a, a, a giant uh, like AMC face bankruptcy. So many people have milestones in those theaters, uh, and I can taste the popcorn now. I miss it, uh, and I will definitely miss it if those uh, theaters go away. Uh, Vlad, so uh, we understand you've got a famous Italian singer helping people worldwide celebrate. How so? Yes, Tonino, Tonino. That means this is true, Tonino. Andrea Bocelli is performing at the historic Duomo Cathedral in Milano on Sunday. The concert will be streamed live on YouTube. Like most churches, of course, across the globe, the pews will be empty. Bocelli will only be accompanied by a cathedral organist. He's set to sing songs, including Ave Maria and Pietro Mascani's Santa Maria. The event is titled Bocelli Music for Hope. Yeah, say goodbye to this coronavirus. <laughs> this is this is really um interesting. Um how they highlighting this and what the think tanks and the let me see what they're talking about here. This Brooklyn landlord is stepping up in a big way to help out his tenants. Mario Salerno, I can honestly say he's earned the nickname Super Mario, is waiving rent for hundreds of people in all 18 of his buildings. That's so, that's what it's supposed to be. That's right. That's what it, all, all of them. You see this. This is the letter Mario put up in all of his buildings to let people know they did not have to pay rent this month. Salerno said he cares about the well-being of his tenants see? more than he cares about his bottom line. Take a listen to what he told me. That's what all the landlords should have did. You know what? I got a letter on the door saying rent is due. I how can someone wake up in the morning worry about losing their job and worrying about their health? So I said, I want to make it easy as a human, as humanity, in life, 
And I had great response from all my tenants. They were all fine. Who wants to make I mean, that is Mario. Those were his two sons, Sal and Mario Jr. He says he's been blessed in life. He's honored to do it. Anthony, Mario also owns an automotive shop, which he has kept open to service the vehicles of essential workers like medical professionals, MTA workers, right. cops, postmen. Thanks, Vlad. Working in groceries. Thanks, Vlad. We'll be right back. QuickBooks salutes those who work for themselves. They're adapting to support their communities, but many need our help. If you're a small business in need or want to help a local business, go to quickbooks.com slash smallbusinesshelp into it QuickBooks. Wow. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's That was my whole thing. I had sent the letters to um, the mayor and, and, and the congressman. I sent the letter. I'm going to put this on another feed because I see I'm kind of over my 15 minutes. Yeah, this is Dr. D. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on, you guys? I'm just, uh, I kind of got off the um, the news for a week because I was trying to figure out, I mean, not trying to figure out, I was um, staying focused on some projects and some some work that I had to complete. And um, I'm feeling a little better. Uh, I just uh, noticed that I had to take my time, excuse me, take my time and and, and just do one thing at a time, um, one um, customer at a time, one project at a time, look at one business at a time. I usually have stuff all over the place and I go and answer an email and then before you know it, I just spend three hours on something and then when I try to go back and finish something else, then I'm like, okay, what was I doing? I get frustrated then my then my um my focus um been distracted and then I'm just sitting there trying to remember what I was supposed to be doing in the beginning and then before you know it I'm tired I feel exhausted then I go give him something to eat then I get um tired and then all of a sudden um my stomach start you know just a lot of things that trigger so I'm uh, I'm going through a uh a body transformation and so with that me uh, hitting a milestone in my age this year I have to revamp some stuff so that's what I've been doing this weekend you really haven't heard from me because of my voice which is sounding a little better uh, so I'm not going to over speak myself give myself time to rest uh, my 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 vocal cords and and uh, share with you guys just so you can hear my voice live and to say hi to a lot of you all over the world this is impacting i'm i'm hearing you guys oh i miss you ray sable tanika drake uh spider hack uh y'all keeping it rolling i just pray that y'all taking care of yourself um maddie moe um Four one four seven show Caliban. Uh, I'm kind of missing um, Full Rain. I haven't heard from her in a while, and um, just some individuals that I know that usually call and check up on me. Uh, we check up on each other. I have not been as active as before um, this whole pandemic hit because I was going through a lot of transitions. You guys that really really like. 
wait a minute, what's going on? Some serious spiritual warfare on my end and um, mental challenges to the point where I had to like remember what I was doing. So I had to like stop, drop, and roll. Remember I did a, a message like that. Sometimes you gotta stop, drop, and roll, and that's what I had to do. And one of those um, issue was that I was getting bogged down and and really disturbed on how I was gonna get back and forth to complete my um, JH assignment for the last week and a half, and it really was costing me more. Um, to even get there than what I was making a day and my customers, my main customers had came, but then I was waiting for my other customers to come. But at the stay-at-home order, they they just was going to wait, and then the deadline was pushed to July 19. Now, if I was an owner, a franchise owner, uh, especially in um, the Wally World locations, I would have shut all my kiosks down. I would have shut my kiosks down. That would have like saved me some revenue. Um, some, some I know it would have hurted uh, my preparers, but they had an option. I would have said, well, if you still want to work, uh, I'll try to put you in the storefront or just stay at home. And what we can do, I'll pick you back up after May because the tax season extended to July 15th. And and um, I would have made some kind of arrangements, put it like that. Or I would have at least evaluated each person to see, okay, would that be economical for you to come, yada, yada, instead of um, striving to make sure you get your numbers, you make your calls, you do this, you do that, um, stay six feet, do just drop-ins, I mean drop-offs. I don't know. I'm not the owner, but I know for my own uh, personal business, um, with doing the bookkeeping and the nonprofits, I send emails out. And normally that's how I operate it anyway, through email. And any, um, like the receipts and stuff and the bookkeeping that I have to maintain to um, produce their their books, um, the user dropped that off at the office and that's how I had worked. But even with that, that cost me money, right? So it's a lot of things. But on this episode, I wanted to share that the landlord, uh, I sent emails. I sent a nice letter to my senator, to my mayor, to the representative, uh, to the congressperson, Congresswoman and a congressman um, that he worked the clubs and brought New Orleans bounce music to his radio shows. A father of four, Stokes coached football at a charter school. He would literally give you the last dollar in his pocket, his wife Cassandra says. He died four days shy of their second wedding anniversary. Oh my God. Oliver Stokes Jr. was 44. The lives lost. It's so hard to put this together every week. Face. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Go ahead. Because there are so many of them, Gail. There are so many people. It's so hard. Uh, there's so many you want to include. There's so many remarkable lives who've been lost. It's it's just very very sad. What I was saying is, anytime you can put a human face and tell their story to the number, it makes such a difference that we get to see the lives that these people led, that they were loved, and I just worry about all the other people who, unfortunately, will join this club. People are worried about it today. It's a club that nobody wants to join, and I'm so glad that you're telling us their stories. Every life lost is worth remembering. We continue to tell those stories on our broadcast and social media platforms. If you want to share the story of someone close to you, please tell us. You can email us at coronavirus at cbsnews.com. Wow. Lost lives. One of our own out of New Orleans. And I do want to con- uh, tribute... Um, uh, I have a mother-in-law in-law, I guess. It's my daughter's husband wife. I mean, my daughter's husband mother passed due to this virus. My daughter's friend father uh I forgot his nickname. He just passed uh, due to the virus. And the wife has the virus. And matter of fact, the whole household has the virus. And the thing about it, they was inside. When it first started, they didn't even go anywhere. Everybody stayed home. Only, Only person that was leaving out was one person to go get the store. And see, that's what I'm saying. That person probably brought it in the house and didn't even realize that they was carrying the virus in the home. And these individuals stayed at home. Nobody went nowhere, okay? And then signs and symptoms start popping up after weeks later um, when when one person went out to the store. They say, okay, if somebody's going to go out to the store, they probably selected one person or even a delivery. I don't really know the, the details of that. I just was informed that the only way that they could have could have that family was um, exposed to the virus is because that one person that went to the store and came back. So that means that person carried that virus from the store to the home and everybody in that home got infected. So that's how serious this is. And they did not make a mandate to the stores until, like, the end of March, right? And even with that, they was not making things mandatory like they're doing now. You know, so just be careful. Stay at home. Um, Yeah, I I feel we have a whole nother month to deal with this. It's not just going to be over and now you hear the president tomorrow. We're going to be open back up. The economy going to be a big bang. And I I understand his enthusiasm, but in the same token, I don't think he's taking it seriously to enough that what is really, really happening out here on the streets. Deputies are going around the city handing out care packages. Packages include a mask, a hygiene kit, and also in-
information about COVID-19. There's also a special program to help them isolate if they test positive. DoorDash delivers in a major way. During the crisis, the company is reducing commissions. It charges restaurants by 50% to help 150,000 eateries struggling during the outbreak. Feeding seniors during the pandemic, Houston chefs are teaming up to serve hot meals. Over the next nine days, they'll serve 100 free meals at Seaside Lounge from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The pop-up kitchen needs volunteers and donations to keep it going past next week. All right. Now okay, so what about the scenes who don't have transportation to go pick up, like myself? There she go again. I don't want her voice. <laughs> Y'all probably don't want to hear my voice. But anyway... All right, let me get off here. (laughs)